name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <coughs> my Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Seeing the crowds, she went up onto the mountains, and when he had seated, was seated with his disciples, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak, and this is what he taught them. How blessed the poor in spirit, and the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall have the earth as their inheritance. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Our Lord begins his preaching with this word, blessed, happy. And so it sort of defines in a certain sense the whole of his preaching and the whole of man's vocation here on earth. We're called to be happy, happy in everything we do, happy in everything that we look forward to. And ultimately we're called to an eternal beatitude. John Paul II liked to say that we're called to the eternal wedding feast. And that marriage in this world is a preparation for marriage in the next. If something does not work out too well in our marriage in this world, he said, well, never mind. It's part of the cross that God has permitted as a preparation for that eternal beatitude in the eternal wedding feast. And this whole word, well, defines everything that our Lord came to communicate to us, that we're called to happiness. And therefore, we have to try and learn how to be happy in this world. St. Rosemary used to say, if we were to be happy in this world, well, we have to try and be so in order to be happy in heaven. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says the Beatitudes are at the heart of the preaching of our Lord and God's plan for us. His plan is that we would be all of these things, poor in spirit, gentle, hungering and thirsting for justice, merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers. They depict, he says, the countenance of Jesus Christ and portrays his charity. Somebody said once that the commandments, and Lady Anisha told me, the commandments are a bit like God as creator speaking to his creatures. But the Beatitudes are like a loving father speaking to his children. And so God invites us to try and be all of these things. He says their paradoxical content responds in a surprising way to the human heart's desire for happiness. And so we can look again at these beautiful things that our Lord places before us, goals for our, for our life, specific things that he wants us to try and put into practice on a daily basis. The Catechism says in his preaching of the eight Beatitudes, our Lord gathers the promises made to the chosen people and perfected them directing them not merely to the possession of the earth but to the eternal happiness in the kingdom of heaven john paul ii used to say there are three key questions that all human persons must keep asking themselves on this planet where have i come from where am i going what is my life all about the attitudes give us some of the answers to those questions 
We're headed for happiness. And this is the pathway that we have to try and live in order to get there. Holiness, which is the calling of the Christian vocation, we're called to holiness in the postulate, is like a, a growing in love. The mystery of love we're called to reflect all the time because God is love. We do it through the battle to practice the Beatitudes, being gentle, being merciful, thirsting for justice. And living out of those Beatitudes and trying to strive for holiness leads us to live in the peace and the joy of the Beatitudes. They bring us a peace and a joy, irrespective of the other circumstances of our life. Because somehow they tell us we're on the right track, we're doing the right things, we're going in the right direction. The Beatitudes portray the charity of Christ. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Our Lord says in other places, may you be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. That's a pretty high goal. Being merciful even with people who perhaps don't deserve our mercy, or we think they don't deserve our mercy, but yet we have to try and be merciful with everybody. The charity of God knows no limits. It's boundless. It's unlimited. God does not permit of any mediocrity when it comes to charity. St. Teresa of Lisieux says, it is on how we have loved that we will be judged. That will be the really only important question that God will ask us. He wants to look into our heart and find a merciful heart there, like his own heart, a reflection of his heart. They express the vocation of the faithful to be associated with the, the glory of our Lord's passion and resurrection. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted in the cause of righteousness. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. Down through history, you find that all the great saints and martyrs were persecuted in the cause of righteousness. And so we shouldn't be surprised if we find that some people are scandalized by the Catholic Church or by her teaching in different areas, particularly in sexual morality or the sacredness of human life or the sanctity of marriage. And if people are throwing stones at the church because of these particular teachings, well, perhaps that's not a bad sign. There's a saying that says you only throw stones at trees that are fruit. You throw the stones to try and get the mangoes or other fruits off the trees, but if there's no fruit on the tree, you don't bother throwing stones. The devil is pretty good at throwing stones. And so we shouldn't be surprised that the church is misunderstood, treated in difficult ways, perhaps persecuted in various ways. The Beatitudes shed light on the actions and attitudes that are characteristics of the Christian life. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall possess the earth. Another word that's used sometimes is meekness. Meekness is the virtue whereby we control our anger. So we're told that blessed are those who control their anger. There may be many situations in family life, in marriage life, in traffic, in the office, where we have a, a temptation to show anger. Fast temper can be fast pride. So we have to try and learn to control our anger. And that virtue is what's called meekness. Channel it in different ways. There's a good anger and there's a bad anger. 
The good anger is the anger of a mother with her two-year-old child who does something wrong. The mother gets angry and corrects, and then it's over. It would be a lack of virtue not to correct or not to get angry in situations where things are wrong. It would be a bad sign. The bad type of anger is an anger that, that lingers on, that smolders on in the heart, expressed as grudges or pains or wounds. Those are the things we have to try and get rid of. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall possess the earth. It's a great thing. And the paradoxical promises, well, they sustain us in our hope in the midst of tribulations. Blessed are you when people abuse you and persecute you and speak all kinds of calumny against you, falsely on my account. When Mother Teresa died, many people had wonderful things to say about her, a living saint. But there was something missing. See, all the saints have had stones thrown against them. St. Maria used to say that St. Teresa of Avila went to heaven accompanied by all the garbage that her contemporaries could throw at her. You could say the same thing about St. Maria, still throwing garbage sometimes. But everybody seemed to have nice things to say about Mother Teresa. Until one day, I read in the newspaper that somebody in India had accused Mother Teresa of embezzling $200 million. Ah, finally. Now she ticks all the boxes. <laughs> That's authentic. No? Uh, something like that was needed for authentic holiness. Some sort of a, an external cross that you don't deserve, that comes from nowhere, that seems very you know, vigilant or vigilant as well. No? Okay, now that's, uh, that's the real McCoy. No? All the saints have undergone that type of contradictions. Persecute you and speak all kinds of calumny. And so it reminds us that we shouldn't be worried about what people may say or what people may think or what people may say or think about our church. I was at a pro-life meeting in Manila one time and a lady speaker there from Liverpool, doctor, said we can be very proud of our church. I thought those were very nice words. Don't hear them very often. Because our church is the only church in the world that has stood by the sacredness of human life in the last 50 years. We have an awful lot to be proud of. And so, if we hear all sorts of bad things, well, well never mind. I was at a, a mass in Musungari last Saturday, or two Saturdays ago, in Loreto, in Nairobi, but for the hundred years of the Loreto sisters in Kenya. Bishop Kivuva said the mass, said some very nice things. Among them, he said, he often asks kids, did you go to a Loreto school? And the kid says, no, but my mother did. A very common thing all over the country. Talked about what this country and the church in this country would have been without the Loretto sisters. They were celebrating a hundred years, and I reckon that they've educated about a million girls. So six women arrived here in 1921, and a hundred years later, a million girls have been educated. It's mind-boggling. You couldn't have imagined the sort of fruit that was going to come. And all of that in spite of all the contradictions that may happen in the course of any apostolic undertaking, which were many. But the end result is something incredible. And you see, this is how God wants to use each one of us, our efforts, our correspondence to grace. We don't see a hundred years from now. We don't see the fruits of the values in your family that you put into motion, or the fruits that you come from your life of trying to live out the Beatitudes in a daily way in your family. 
But you plant seeds, seeds of faith, seeds of hope, seeds of joy, seeds of teaching people how to live like great human beings, to have great ideals, to have trust and faith in God. And not to be worried about the ordinary everyday things that may come to pass where people might abuse you or persecute you or speak all kinds of calumny falsely on my account. We don't have to worry about all the stones that this world may throw at us. Because a hundred years from now, the fruits of all our actions will be there to see the fruits of holiness of apostolate. And that's the same for the Catholic Church all over the world. It's the history of the Church. The history of the Catholic Church has been described as the history of the Holy Spirit working in the world. We're very much part of that history. Pope John Paul, in a, in a cyclical called Rich in Mercy, he says, all the Beatitudes of the Sermon on the Mount indicate the way of conversion and of reform of life. But the, refun, the one referring to those who are merciful is particularly eloquent in this regard. Man attains to the merciful love of God his mercy to the extent that he himself is interiorly transformed in the spirit of that love towards his neighbor we have to try and treat kids to have that spirit i was visiting a poor family recently i happened to get some football boots for them two or three years ago there's a 12 year old and a 14 year old in the family and i asked them how are the football boots they said, oh we've grown out of them they're too small and no one, what do you do? Are you playing barefoot? No, we have a pair of sports shoes, but our toes are coming out of the front of them. I said, well, show me the old ones, the old boots. Oh, we gave them to a poor boy. I was so impressed. These kids are, most people would regard them as pretty poor, but everybody knows somebody poorer than themselves. <laughs> and, and one of them is 12, the other is 14, or 13 and 14, something like that. No? I was so impressed. I said, well, look, if you... And they're avid football followers. Man City, Chelsea, the father's Arsenal, a great rivalry in the family. And I said to them, well, look, if you continue like that, that gesture will bring you far more happiness in this world than all the Man Cities in the world, <laughs> even if they're top of the league. You know? And so we try to teach children how to live according to the Beatitudes, to give... How blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit. Those kids might not have much in this world, but they're willing to give away what they have. They're thinking of other people as the way to go. And even people who may have many material things, well, called to live this blessedness. It doesn't mean we have to give away everything we have, but it doesn't mean we have to have a certain sensitivity for things we don't need anymore. Those young kids, well, they might have said, well, these are mine, huh? and I'm going to keep them and put them on my shelf for eternity, you know, and look at them every day and kiss them my football boots, huh? first pair of football boots I have. You know, they give them away to somebody who needs them. There's a lot in that. Unless you become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so... We're told also to be blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Happy are those who strive for the virtue of purity and who begin again and again. And even if that virtue might seem to be so elusive, or it might seem to be subject to so many temptations, or every minute of every hour of every day we seem to have all sorts of problems, well, our Lord wants us to, to fight. We know we will not be tempted beyond the graces that he gives us, but we will be happy from 
is being out that fight. Living according to those Christian moral principles and creating that atmosphere around us, the Christ-like fragrance, the fragrance of Christ. In the forward we're told, hoping that God will help us to walk this path as his many saints, who incarnated the Beatitudes and are examples of joy, aiming at living a full life, not being happy with a mediocre life. Happiness in heaven is for those who know how to be happy on earth. And so we could ask our Lord for the grace to teach us how to be happy on earth, happy with what we have, happy with who we are, not wishful thinking about faraway dreams or treasures. If only I had that talent that other people have, or if only I wasn't at the bottom of the class when I was a kid, or if only I had the talent of that most important person in the class, or that colleague, or that person who's good at this or good at that, if only this, if only that. Just try and thank our Lord for who I am, what you've given me, the treasures that I have, that I can see, that I can hear, that I have my limbs, that I have my employment, that I have maybe a family and a marriage and many beautiful things. We can spend our day thanking God. And that's way we come to be happy. Because then we realize the treasures, great treasures, and great spiritual treasures, even if we lose everything in this world that might be sort of worth having but yet our soul is in the state of grace well it doesn't matter we're on a pathway to heaven we're spiritual millionaires and so therefore we can be happy this is god's will for me catechism says the promise of the beatitude eternal happiness makes us face decisive moral options with regard to earthly goods gives us the guidelines to you to the use of earthly goods according to the law of God. It also purifies our heart, leading us to love God above everything. See, it's so easy to fall in love with other things, with material things, with this world, with the pleasures of this world, and forget why we're here. A young guy in Manila once came to be Chinese-Filipino, had converted to Catholicism, and he was working in a bank with derivatives, trading, that type of thing, shares, etc., and there was this big deal that came along, very lucrative, and he was going to have a slice of it. But there was something about it that wasn't quite right. He was a bit uncomfortable about it, and he wanted a, a moral opinion. So he came to ask a moral opinion. And when I heard what the whole thing was about, I had to say, well, look, maybe this thing isn't totally wrong, but it's not totally right either. And perhaps it's better you don't get involved in this particular thing, knowing that it was big money. Without blinking, the guy said, okay, anyway, we're not just here to do business, we're here to get to heaven. It's very interesting to see the Chinese clarity with which this guy had that one idea. What a great idea with which to function in the world. I'm not just here to do this or do that, or be this or be that. I'm here to get to heaven. I'm here to try to make sure that I don't do anything wrong. They help many other people not to do anything wrong. It's so easy to do things that are wrong. You can press a button on a computer and you can bring down a bank. Somebody did that in Singapore 20 years ago. You can do things that are wrong that have huge consequences. 80,000 people were out of work all over the world because that bank collapsed. And so we're told we choose beatitude when we freely choose a right conduct with the help of God's law and grace. Choose the right thing to do, or we choose happiness. We choose good to good. And that's what we're directed towards. That's what it's all about. 
And that's where we attain our blessedness. When we realize the things that are really worth having. And so we could ask our Lord in our prayer for the, the grace of rediscovering the attraction of following Jesus in this new year. Lord, I want to follow you again this year, in a new way, a deeper way, the start of these weeks and months. Lead me along that pathway, a pathway of imitating you, of not seeking anybody else but you, and of your humble love. And there we find the meaning of our life in humble unity with him. And so, <clears throat> when we try and live the way that our Lord lived, when we, we find a way to real joy and being cheerful, because we know there's something else happening, there's a deeper picture here, deeper story, God is at work. Living out the Beatitudes doesn't involve any dramatic gestures. Our Lord really didn't do any dramatic things. He left nothing written. There was the apostles that wrote the Gospels, the evangelists. He left nothing imposing. When he told us how to live, he didn't tell us to build great works or to draw attention to ourselves and with extraordinary gestures. He just asked each one of us to produce one work of art, our own life. And then he said, what God has given to you what you are is God's gift to you. What you become is your gift to God. We have to try and become a person of virtue, a person who practices the Beatitudes, trying to live like a great human person so that our children grow up seeing what that means in reality, and that it's worthwhile trying to live that type of life. No greater legacy can we give the people who come after us. And so you could say that the Beatitudes are like a roadmap for our life. How am I doing? Where am I going? I can examine our conscience in each one of these things. My joy and my peace. Do I bring that to my family, to my children? Do I teach them that this is the way to go? They invite us to keep our hearts pure, to practice meekness and justice. Despite everything, even if we were visited with the greatest amount of injustice, even if God was to sweep the feet from under us, professionally or financially, leave us hanging there, but because he wants us to look up, to trust in him, to learn how to be merciful to all, even to those who might seem not to deserve our mercy, because that's what Jesus did. That's the holiness of daily life. If some tattoo cuts in on us at the wrong moment, or overtakes us in the wrong place and you feel like throttling somebody well try and keep our peace and our serenity in those moments because that's what holiness and daily life is all about on the road interacting with people knowing how to wait with a smile at the same time the beatitudes are not for supermen we're not called to be superhuman beings just called to be super humble the, we are currently in the Sundays of St. Joseph, coming up to the Feast of St. Joseph in March 19. The Church has a, a custom of increasing our devotion to St. Joseph in these particular Sundays. Well, Joseph is sort of super humble person we're called to, to imitate, gentle but yet full of service, humble, available, full of fortitude, solved problems, dealt with difficult situations, took care of the Holy Family 
very attractive, very beautiful person. Person to be a model for our life. And people who live out the Beatitudes, well, they're able to cleanse the world. Founder of Opus Dei used to say, we have come to change the way the world does business. To turn this world inside out like you turn a sock from one side into the other, to change things. The way we do that is by being saints, living the Beatitudes, being Christ-like. Just like those Loretto nuns, other people in the church that we see over a hundred years, well, they've changed the face of the earth. Education was unknown when they came to Kenya. Education for girls. They started the first school for African girls in Yamuro, the whole of East Africa. And the first girls that came, within 24 hours, they all ran away. First 12. Their father, the chiefs, had managed to convince them to go to school, and they'd had enough after 24 hours, because education was unheard of. But those nuns kept at it. And then some of those girls came to stay, and so they had to have something to sleep on, so they had sacks with grass from the field. And then they stayed a bit longer, and then there was the Mau Mau bullets in the 50s, and there were Christmases when they didn't have any food, and etc., etc. And then eventually they got the girls to the level of being able to do the Cambridge exam, something the equivalent, I think, of the KCSE now. No, it was a huge goal to have reached, maybe after, I it must have taken 10, 20 years, maybe more. And when those girls did that Cambridge exam, and the nuns sent the papers off to England to be corrected. They kept a carbon copy of the answers of the girls in case the ship went down. <laughs> Nothing was to stand in the way of the education of those girls. Such ideals, such commitment. Well, this is the way the people of the church have changed the face of the earth. The Holy Father talks about evangelizing culture. And just imagine all the changes from 1921 to 2021 what's happened in the world and yet behind the scenes all these things are taking place fertilizing the earth changing the atmosphere evangelizing culture that's what we're we're called to do like a, a tree in the a wasteland absorbs the polluted air each day and gives back oxygen and so christians in the world are called to change the atmosphere of the world to take away the bad things to dilute them to drown them with an abundance of good and the means that our lord has given us to be able to do all of this to a large extent is the beatitudes to live in this way to be that type of person a christ-like type of person we could ask our lady today on our feast day of lords to help us to put the beatitudes into practice in a concrete way each day my God for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Amen.